Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from addiction almost nine years ago, I have been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you from how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures. I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with the industry's top experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. All right. I know I said I was on maternity leave and like I very much was and I have been for the past like week and a half. But this is why I'm grateful this is my job. And maybe this is why this is my job because it's something I want to do. I I simply cannot stay away. I cannot stay away from the microphone. No, it's just more so that I have so much, so much is happening right now. And it feels like something I want to share and I have a lot of emotions and I'm just working through a ton that that's when I feel the most pulled to be on the mic and to talk and to do solo episodes and podcasts and do my work, which is also like very confusing when it comes to maternity leave, which I know I mentioned, I think, in the previous episode because it's like those are the times where... I have so much to say and I want to talk so much about what's going on and it's really important in my opinion content because it's I think validating a lot of people's experiences and it's showing insight into a time where not many people talk about and all of those things which is why I want to share but then I also am like okay well don't forget to like pull back and take time for yourself. All that being said, I just felt inclined to sit here and share the past two weeks because it has been an experience that I would have never expected. And it's felt very isolating and confusing. And I think per a lot of comments and DMs, et cetera, people are either blown away that this kind of stuff can happen or they're like, oh my God, I went through this too and it sucks and you're not alone. So let's lay the groundwork a little bit. By the time this episode comes out, I would freaking hope there is a healthy baby in my arms. Otherwise, this episode, I guess, will not be released. But right now, okay, this is the other hard thing about podcasting. Just like pull the curtain back a little bit. I'm fucking sweating and I'm so out of breath. I have to take off the sweatshirt. Is that I have to like record and then give time to make 
audio edits and then give time to do show notes and then give time to do all of those things. So it can't be like as real time as I might be able to wish or like my Instagram stories are because that's just not the reality. So right now it's Thursday before this episode releases and I'm getting induced tonight so long, so long as the hospital does not fuck me over a third time and say like jokes on you, it's not happening. But I have a scheduled induction for 9 p.m. tonight. So if all goes as planned, I will be in the hospital tonight and will be giving birth within the next 24 hours. But I want to lay down the last two-ish weeks while the emotions are still fresh because I have been very emotional and I felt things that I never could have imagined and experienced things that I never thought I would personally experience. And also, I know that once I go through the full labor and delivery experience and have a baby and I'm on the other side, the next solo episode will focus on that. And I don't want to forget or not share about, sorry, I'm so fucking out of breath, about this experience because it has been a goddamn whirlwind. And I finally feel like I'm in a place where I can kind of talk about it and work through some of it, both real time, but also I had therapy today. I actually slept a bit last night. So let's get fucking into it. Come on in, take a seat, pour a drink, pass one to me. Frickle food, and friends, talk about life sides and ends. Throw away your hesitations, have a filter conversations. If you've got All right, I take meticulous notes. If there's one thing about me is that I'm going to have a goddamn note on my phone with details about everything if something's happening in my life. Because you know when like someone goes on a trip somewhere and then you say to them, oh my God, I'm going to, I don't know, Hawaii. Do you have any recommendations? And they're like, oh, I forget what we did. What do you mean? What do you mean? So I take meticulous notes about all of those types of things so that if someone asks, I can easily just send it to them. So I did this with my first delivery and quite honestly, it has come in very handy during this experience just to reference back. And then also a lot of my friends who have gone through their first labor and delivery who have asked questions, I'm like, yeah, I got you. Let me tell you exactly what happened to me. So basically around let's see, 36 weeks, I started to feel, I have in my notes, like these kind of labor pains overnight that like were in my back and they did feel like contractions, but I was like, this is really early. I don't know. I think they're just back pain. There had been this one night where I had to sleep on squash's ground one night because like he wouldn't sleep. So I like brought in a comforter and or my yeah, my comforter. And I kind of felt like, oh, maybe that's what that was from. I don't know. So then I went to my appointment and at 36 weeks and six days, I was about two centimeters dilated and 50% effaced. Okay, wait, sorry. I also just want to say that like I'm sharing all of this as my story, but A, don't compare in any manner of the way because if there's one thing I've learned is that everyone has a very fucking different experience. Even people who have been like, oh, I was in prodromal labor and then this happened and then that happened. Like a lot of those stories have scared me a bit because a lot of the comments, I had a TikTok that went fucking viral of 
me like the first time I went to the hospital, which we'll get into. And the comments, some of them freaked me out. And so I don't want anyone to be like scared by this. I'm just simply sharing my story. But I also don't want you to compare of like, oh my God, she was effaced and dilated at 30x weeks and I'm not, whatever. Everyone is so different. Okay. So I just want to be very clear. So I then started like, it looked like parts of my mucus plug were coming out around like 37-ish weeks. And I started to feel really heavy like pressure on my low pelvis and my like butthole. Like I remember texting to my friends being like, I feel like I'm going to shit myself. And then I sit on the toilet and I don't poop. But like there's so much pressure on my actual asshole. Luckily, I hate that I just said asshole. Luckily, I do not have hemorrhoids yet. Knock on wood. I'm really hoping I can survive another pregnancy and postpartum without them. But time will tell. So then I had this one day where I was like pooping a ton. I was having period like like period cramp feelings and just so much pressure. And I was like, I think something's happening. And then I was 37 weeks and I guess a few days when I went to my next appointment and I was three centimeters dilated and 70% of face. So I was like, oh, wow, things are happening. Like, And this is where the confusion starts. And I want to be very clear because I remember this kind of happening with my first pregnancy where I was effaced fully and like one centimeter dilated, I think at 37 weeks. So then I convinced myself that I was going to have a delivery earlier than my due date. And mentally, I think that just made the last like three weeks so hard because I had convinced myself it was coming earlier. And I mean, that doesn't even compare to the mental experience of this pregnancy. But I also just want to remind people like, don't convince yourself you're going early. That's like my one piece of advice. Have stuff ready, okay? So if you do go early, but never convince yourself you're going early because then the end feels so goddamn long. Two things that I am constantly prioritizing and encouraging everyone else to as well are my mental and physical health. For me, this starts with my morning routine. I am prioritizing my mental health by having some very necessary alone and quiet time before taking on my day and simultaneously prioritizing my physical health while including nutritional supplements like AG1. If you're a longtime listener, you know that I've been drinking AG1 for over five years now. When I started drinking AG1 daily, I noticed I had increased energy first thing in the morning and that it helped with my digestion throughout the day. As a creature of habit, it is absolutely my preferred method of starting my day. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Because I'm recommending AG1 to anyone with ears, I love seeing my friends and family also get hooked and join the daily AG1 train. I am obviously a fan of the company, but my husband is truly their number one supporter. Without fail, he is making his glass of AG1 every single morning, first thing when he comes downstairs before starting his workout. He feels it helps him feel more energetic in the morning and that he is getting the nutrients his body craves first thing. AG1 takes all the guesswork out of trying to combine the right supplements. It provides multiple products in one easy scoop. A true win-win. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash FFF. That's drinkag1.com slash FFF to check it out. 
I've experienced many of changes since becoming a parent, but one that I was not expecting or prepared for is the decision fatigue I feel around food. I actually did a poll of you guys all on Instagram, and I'm not alone in this, but I just feel so overwhelmed by food now that I'm responsible for feeding someone other than myself. And I used to love it so much, but like, it's just too much work now. It is just so much between the grocery shopping, the recipe ideation, the cooking, et cetera. It's just more draining than I ever imagined it being. And that is why I love Green Chef so much. Green Chef is an absolute game changer in the world of meal kit companies. They are making eating well easy with meal plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're a keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or simply just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef has got you covered with a wide range of recipes to suit your preferences. Feel your best this fall and satisfy your cravings with adventurous eats made nutritious. Discover exciting new flavors with recipes that feature organic fruits and vegetables, sustainably sourced seafood, and unique farm fresh ingredients. Green Chef helps take not only over like the menu ideation for your meals, but also the grocery shopping. They deliver everything you need for your meals with convenient step-by-step recipes that even the most amateur of cooks can follow. Menu and groceries handled is honestly my freaking dream. And plus with Green Chef, you're reducing your food waste by up to 23% versus grocery shopping. We recently made this sesame ginger chicken with sauteed snap peas and cabbage, carrots, and sesame seeds that I'm still dreaming about. Go to greenchef.com slash 60cameron and use code 60cameron to get 60% off plus free shipping. Once again, go to greenchef.com slash 60cameron and use code 60cameron to get 60% off plus free shipping. We love you, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. So... Then when I'm 37 weeks and like, I think four, five days, I start to have contractions in the middle of the night and it starts at like 3 a.m. They're very consistent for like over an hour. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm in labor. And this is what I felt with squash. And again, I'll like, I think I did a what the fuck is happening to my body episode on my labor and delivery. I was kind of contracting on and off for like 24 hours. And it was the day before my induction was scheduled for. So I called my doctor to be like, can we just move my induction? And she was like, yes. And so we did. So I never had the like water break, like the full, full labor situation, but I had contracted. So I knew what contractions felt like. So around like 4.30, we call my sister. I'm like, okay, can you come to the house so that you can stay with squash while we leave? Luckily she lives close, et cetera. She gets here, we leave. I just like, there was something about it that felt not real to me. I can't explain it. I mean, I did feel like I was in labor. I was having contractions, but I was also like, am I really about to have a baby? And Maddie kept being like, why are you so chill? What's happening? Like, have, has it not registered with you? And I'm lit, like cackling to myself walking into the hospital because Joe wanted to go park the car. First of all, we didn't even know. I've never been to this hospital. We didn't know where to park. We didn't know where we were supposed to go. I just kind of walk in while he's parking the car. And I'm like, hi, I'm in labor. Is this where I'm supposed to be? Like the woman's like, yeah, what, like what is going on? She's like, are you with anyone? What's what's happening here? I was just very calm. And basically we get into triage and once, okay. Also, I realize that not everyone knows what this is. You basically get to the hospital, assuming you go to the hospital, like in labor, not a scheduled thing. You go to the hospital, you check in basically, give them your information, et cetera. Then you get taken into triage. Triage is kind of like this middle ground area where 
you're monitored. So they hook these two things up to your belly. One is measuring your contractions and one is measuring or not measuring, but monitoring the baby's heartbeat to make sure that like everything is still okay with the baby. And while you're in there, you know, that's when they take your blood pressure. They do all this other stuff. They check to see how dilated and effaced you are. And that's when it would either be like, okay, your six centimeters are XYZ dilated. You're contracting around. I wish I had these answers because I don't, but they would determine whether you need to then go to labor and delivery or whether you need to stay in triage for a little bit longer, or if you are like me, get to go home. So once you go to labor and delivery, that's when it's like, okay, it's it's going to be go time. You're like, you're here. You're going to have the baby one way or the other. And that's where you would get an epidural if you're having one, Pitocin or whatever, if you're getting induced, you know, all of those things would happen. And that's where you will actually deliver said baby. Then you get taken to postpartum and that's the room that you're in for the next like 48 hours. So basically we're sitting in triage and they do the one of 10,000 exams I've had now, stick their fingers up my vagina and say, okay, you're four centimeters dilated. So I've now progressed since my last appointment and you're like 70% effaced. And I'm like, okay, then I guess we're fucking having this baby four centimeters. I never made it that far before I got induced last time. And also like that just feels very real to me and to many of us. And I'm having regular contractions. And they kept being like, are you in pain? And I'm like, the contractions don't feel good. No, but like, I'm not, I'm, I definitely don't look like I'm in pain to an outsider. And this was the first start of frustration and confusion for me. And I want to be very clear. I'm not like angry at anyone specifically. It's just, I'm frustrated by the experience. And I feel comfortable saying, I don't think all of this has been handled the best way. And I'll get into that as we dive further. So they keep asking like, well, are you in pain? Are you in pain? And I'm like, yeah, this does not feel good. And finally, Joe had to speak up and be like, she has a really high pain tolerance. Like she might not look like she's in pain, but, and he uses this as a reference. He's like, she worked a full day in the corporate world and left the office at 5 PM and went straight to the hospital and got her appendix taken out a few hours later. So like, she's not going to be someone screaming in pain, which is true. I mean, who knows? But like, I do have a high pain tolerance. So I think that was also frustrating because I was trying to explain to them, like the contractions are very real. I'm feeling them. The monitor shows them. So I don't even know why we're having this conversation. But no, I'm not like feeling like I'm dying, but also am I supposed to be? So this was at 6.30 in the morning. Basically, then they're like, all right, we'll come back and check you in two hours. They come back two hours later and nothing's changed. I'm still four centimeters, but I'm still having contractions every five minutes. And they're like, you haven't progressed yet, so you can go home. And I was like, well, I don't really want to go home because also I've been told now by everyone, the second baby, it happens so much faster. Watch out, all this stuff. And my biggest concern is like, I want the epidural. I want the fucking epidural. I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm not trying to prove to anyone that I can give birth to a baby without medicine. If you want to do that, good for you, but I don't need that medal. And I was so nervous that like if we left, by the time we came back, even though it's close to our house, just the process, like everything moved very slowly in my opinion at this hospital. And Joe said that maybe it would be different if I was like screaming in pain. I fucking hope so. But it was all like kind of slow moving. So I'm like, I don't want to go through all of this again. Why don't I just sit here? Because again, I then was like very much convinced that the baby was coming. Two hours later, they come back to check me and they're like, you still haven't progressed. And so at this point, I feel gaslit by my own body kind of because I'm like, well, what the hell is happening then? Because my body very much feels like I'm in labor. 
And I, I kind of am, like I am, it's not active labor, but then what, like what? And I felt frustrated because whether they meant to or not, I felt kind of belittled by the staff or just not believed almost. And I said this to my therapist and she was like, I don't know why necessarily you feel that way, but I almost feel like weak around everything that's happened over the past two weeks or like the boy who cried wolf. I can't explain it. And so I was just very confused. And they're like, basically go home and we'll probably see you back here. So I was like, okay, okay, I guess we're going to go home. Like I wasn't happy about it, but I was like, all right, I guess we have to go home now. And what a mind fuck that was. And I really did think though, like we'll be back here tonight. And this was a Friday morning. So we get back to the house. And by that point, my parents had come to the house. And I was just like, what the heck is happening? Like, I had sent out the text to all my friends. Like, holy shit, it's happening. Like, I'm in the hospital. We're going to have this baby early. I think maybe that was also part of it that I, like, psyched myself up thinking the baby was coming. And then was like, nope, never mind. So we go home. Again, I'm like convinced we're going to go back that night. So my parents stay Friday night and then nothing happens except I contract throughout the night. But like nothing. Again, they told me this was the comical thing when I was leaving. I'm like, so when do I come back? Because guidance has always been when you're dilated, if you know you're dilated and contractions are every five minutes consistently. And I'm like, but that's what's been happening to me now for the past 24 hours, like, when am I supposed to come back? And they're like, oh, well, when you're having contractions, you can't walk and talk through them. I'm like, well, th- by that point, then when I get here, isn't this baby going to start to like, really get out of here? Like, how am I going to get my epidural on time? That's what I think was freaking me out. So I was frustrated by that guidance, but again, there was nothing I could do. So we go home and I lost the rest of my mucus plug within that past like 24 hours. There was like blood, I think, just because there were so many people shoving their fingers up my hoo-ha trying to get the dilation and like measure everything. And the other thing I want to mention is I had said, like, why can't I just get induced? And they said it was too early for me to get induced. I wasn't even 38 weeks yet. They didn't want to induce me. And fine, I can get behind that. Okay. So I come home. That's when I post this TikTok that gets like 2 million plus views of like photos of me thinking I was going into labor with the NFL soundtrack. And people are like, what the fuck? Didn't know this could happen. I really threw people for a loop with this one photo of my like stomach contracting because some people said it looked like a raw chicken. And like I was getting all these memes from my cousins of Ross with the turkey on his head on Thanksgiving from friends. And also people thinking that like it was the baby's legs like coming out of my belly. I have no fucking idea. I was incredibly honest with you all and shared probably more than you would have liked every detail of my pregnancy for the past nine months. And one of those things was how horrific I felt during the first trimester and how I really struggled with migraines as one of my main symptoms. A difficult part about pregnancy is that you theoretically know you should remain hydrated and of course drink a lot of water, but even the idea of drinking anything like makes you so nauseous. Thank goodness I had my daily Element over ice to rely on for replenishing my electrolytes. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't, which means a lot of salt with no sugar. This product contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio and no 
junk like coloring, artificial ingredients, or other BS additives. Whether you overdid it this past weekend, or you're pregnant like me, or you're just working out a ton, or you're honestly just trying to keep an active lifestyle, replenishing electrolytes is super important. I've been loving my two favorites, which are the citrus salt and the watermelon salt over ice in my water bottle to keep me hydrated and going. And if you're anything like me, it needs to be ice freaking cold. So you better believe I'm drinking in my tumbler with my nice little straw. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is such a good way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash Cameron. And this deal is only available through my link. You must go to drinklmnt.com slash Cameron. One thing I have prioritized throughout my pregnancy and this postpartum journey has been taking care of my skin, not only on my face, but also on my body. Thanks to Osea, my skin has remained super hydrated. I've been a fan of Osea's for a long time now, and I absolutely love all of their products, but especially those for the body. Everything they make is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Specifically, their Undaria Algae Body Oil, which I rubbed all over my pregnant body, absorbs quickly and is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deliver deep moisturization. I know it seems wild to say, but the holiday season is kind of quickly approaching, and luckily for us, Osea is here to help take the guesswork out of gift giving with their Super Glow Body Set. This limited edition box set features three of Osea's best-selling body care products, a full-size Undaria Algae Body Oil, Undaria Cleansing Body Polish, and a travel-size Undaria Algae Body Butter. The Super Glow Body Set is the perfect way to try three of Osea's best-selling products at an incredible value. Also, one of the biggest added bonuses, which is huge for someone like me who's still in postpartum and trying to navigate the 10,000 things that just need to get done, is that the box is so beautifully packaged, you can skip the gift wrapping. It is truly the perfect gift for anyone on your list. Heck, including yourself. Give the gift of glow this holiday season with clean vegan skincare from Osea. And right now we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code Cameron at OseaMalibu.com. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code Cameron for 10% off. So basically Saturday I wake up and I'm just still laboring. Like I'm having consistent contractions. I've now lost my mucus plug. I'm like so confused. My parents are here and they're like, we're going to take squash to the zoo. I'm like, I guess I'll come with you guys. So we all go to the zoo and we had a great day and it was fun, but I'm also just so uncomfortable. And then I'm trying to do everything in my power to like get this process going. So I'm doing this mile circuit that people are sending me. I'm like sitting on my freaking ball. I'm I'm doing all of these things. And again, I'm like, okay, it's going to happen tonight. So my parents stay over Saturday night and then nothing. And I'm like, what in God's name is happening? So then I lose like the rest of my mucus plug, which was a foul experience because it literally was like through my pajama pants. <laughs> like it was, it was something else. Let me just leave it at that. And I'm basically now like, okay, my parents have been so freaking helpful. I love them so much for helping through all of this, et cetera. But I think I need like our space back because now I'm just also getting worked up of like, when is it happening? What's going on? And another part of me, this entire period, but especially in this moment, felt like I was, what's the right 
term to use. Like not being a burden, but I was involving so many people now in this thing that I felt I had no control over and was so confused by. And it was like, now it's not just me and Joe going through this, which it was for our first experience, but because of squash, it's including so many other people because we need someone to make, we need to make sure he's taken care of. And I just felt like I was putting a lot on other people's plate. And I didn't like feeling responsible for that when I didn't have any sense of answers and also was so mentally confused myself. It just added so much to the mental load of it all. So I was like, I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for helping. But I think you need to go home and we just need to deal with this. And, you know, we'll figure it out as we go. Okay, so then I forget, like Tuesday, Monday, I don't even know. One day rolls around that week. I'm now 38 weeks and I had been in like get this baby out mode and we find out Squash's hand, foot, and mouth. And suddenly I'm like, cross my fucking legs, keep this baby in. So this was then a whole new added layer of anxiety because I am now freaking out that I'm going to get it. Or what if I go into labor and then we have to bring the baby home and he has it and all this stuff. Turns out I am not 100% sure he had it. Even though doctor said he had it, like I'm not convinced quite honestly, but all goes fine. It is healed. He's not really that sick. It was a very mild case. If it was that at all, we don't get it. So now I'm like, okay, back to go time. Let's get this baby out because I'm so goddamn fucking uncomfortable. And again, I say I have a high pain tolerance, but the discomfort of this past experience of like the past two weeks in general, this pregnancy has been very uncomfortable physically for me, but the end where I'm contracting basically all night long consistently. I'm also just not sleeping because of that because it's painful. So it is physically and just exhausting and mentally very, very draining and confusing. So I'm now around like 38 and a half weeks and I'm like, let's just do everything. So I'm doing the mile circuit again. I'm curb walking. I'm going on all these walks. We're having sex, all these things. Nothing is happening. Then at 39 weeks and three days, I wake up in the middle of the night and I am having horrific hip and back pain that is turning into contractions. So this is at like 1 a.m. I get up and again, this whole time, I'm like, I feel like the kid who cried wolf. So don't even wake up Joe because I'm like, at this point, what's he gonna do? Sit there and just be like, sorry and try to help me. Like there's nothing for him to do at this point. So I go into the nursery and sit on the chair to like try and get a better idea of like the actual pain level, what's happening, time at all. Again, because I've been convinced that like I don't know my body, which is a whole other aspect of this that has been confusing for me because I'm someone who's always like, I know my body so well. Like I knew I had appendicitis. I knew I was going to get my appendix out that night. I fucking knew when this egg fertilized. I woke up in the middle of the night and texted my friends being like, an egg just fertilized in my body. I promise I will be pregnant in two weeks when I pee on a stick. Like all of these things. So this has been really confusing for me because I'm like, do I not know my body? Do I not know what's happening here? So I'm having contractions every like six or seven minutes and it's now been an hour. So I call the doctor and or I call the like office and I'm like, hi, can the doctor please call me? Whoever's on call, et cetera. I get a call from the doctor on call and I'm like, look, this is what's happening. I've been four centimeters dilated now for nine days. I am having contractions every like six to eight minutes. Should I come in? And 
I said, my fear is I don't want to come in and sit in triage and then be sent home again. So because I have an induction scheduled for, this was at this point, Tuesday overnight to Wednesday, my induction is scheduled for Thursday night. I am like, because I have an induction for tomorrow night, could I just get induced if nothing progresses while I'm there. Because the big thing was at this specific hospital, you can't do an elective induction, which is technically what I'm doing, before 39 weeks and five days. This was implemented during COVID and it's just stuck. So I just wanted to confirm. And the doctor was like, yes, that will be fine. Like, you know, it's just one day. We would just kind of progress the labor. And she did say, I obviously can't 100% guarantee, but I don't see that being an issue. So I wake up Joe and I'm like, I'm having contractions regularly for the past hour and a half. The doctor says, if it, if we don't progress, then like we can just get induced. So let's go. So I call my mom who had been at my sister's house. She comes here and it just felt very like real. And I knew it was going to happen because also the night prior, Joe had had something. So I was putting squash down alone and I never am the one to like actually put him down like in his crib and leave. That's always Joe. And I was trying to put him down. He was like, mommy, please don't leave me. Like hold my hand, hold my hand. I miss you so much. I get so sad when you leave. I miss you. Just like very attached. And it made me emotional. But I also was like, maybe he knows something's going on. And the fact that my mom just decided to sleep at my sister's house the night prior, she didn't even tell me. I just happened to be on Find My Friends to see how far Joe was on his way home. I was like, why the fuck is my mom at Maddie's house? So I texted her and she was like, oh, I just wanted to be nearby, but I didn't want to like, you know, creep on your space, which like I very much appreciated. So it all just felt very like, oh my fucking God, it's happening. So we get to the hospital, go through, check in again. And this is where frustration starts to hit me. And it hit me last time, the first hospital visit, because I just felt like I was answering the same questions over and over again, which my therapist said to me today, like maybe that frustrated me because it whether it's true or not, signaled a level of like almost incompetence where like then I started to lose trust. Because I'm like, how many times do I have to tell you I'm on sertraline? This is my dosage. This is my second pregnancy. I have a healthy baby at home. I gave birth ex- at, on this date. He was this weight. It was not this hospital. Like the first time in triage, I answered the same questions to three different people with the, this sheet. And I'm like, I've already answered these. Can- Shouldn't they be in a system somewhere? the first visit. And then the second visit, when we get there, we're checking in and they're like, oh, we don't have your insurance on file. I'm like, how do you not have my insurance? I was just here seven days ago. Definitely gave you all this information. We finally get into triage. And again, I'm getting asked the same questions over and over again. And it's not, how are your contractions feeling? It's, so what pregnancy is this? How much was your first baby? Was it vaginal? Were there any complications? And I'm like, this just should be somewhere. Like, I don't understand how this is not in some form of system. Maybe there's some reason they do this. I can't fathom what it is. The time has finally come for me to begin packing up my maternity clothes and dressing this new body for fall. I know people have a lot of mixed emotions around getting dressed postpartum, but for me, I am so excited to be able to wear some pieces of clothing that I so desperately missed during these past nine months, like high-waisted pants. And I am unpacking sections of my closet that have been unused for the recent past, um, but also adding in some newer upgrades from a brand I am loving, and that is Quince. Quince features timeless classics that never go out of style, items that you'll have in your closet forever, which always makes putting together an outfit so much easier. 
Plus, if you are someone who is looking to build a capsule wardrobe, they have all your must-haves, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters from $50, suede and leather jackets, and silk blouses and dresses. However, the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes on the savings to us. I mean, talk about a huge freaking win. This fall, I am all about knitwear and cardigans as I feel they just easily elevate my like leggings and t-shirt look. And I recently got their 100% cotton oversized cardigan in black and I am so freaking in love with it. Not only is it incredibly comfortable, but the price just cannot be beat for the quality coming in at only $49. Get affordable luxury with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Cameron for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Cameron and get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Cameron. So we get into triage around like three-ish. And at this point, I'm now contracting every five minutes. And this is another thing that like I don't understand. There's this system that's hooked up to your stomach, right? So like I said, they're monitoring the baby's heartbeat and they're monitoring your contractions. But then they're still asking me how far apart are your contractions? And I'm like, isn't that, why Why would I time these? I learned this the first time. Like, why are you responsible as the person to time these if you're hooked up to a monitor that's monitoring the contractions, shouldn't that piece of paper that's like flowing out of this machine have a time on it? And it didn't. I looked, which makes no sense to me in today's world of modern medicine, how there shouldn't, couldn't just be a time tracker on these things. So we're tracking the contractions because again, I feel like the boy who cried wolf and I want like data. So Joe has his clock open and we're just hitting like lap, lap, lap. And they're every four to five minutes. It's now also been like a very long time before a resident doctor came to see me, like the nurse sets everything up and then you wait for the doctor. And I'm kind of like, what, what is happening here? Like what is going on? And this is what's freaking me out because I'm also like, what is, what takes so long? I'm just losing a little faith. And I have to say my first delivery experience was so incredible. And it was at Alexander Cohen in the city, which was a like, or is a brand new facility. It's probably the nicest hospital to give birth at in the world, potentially. So I realize I'm coming from like the top, but I just have felt very frustrated by this entire experience. And they come and she does the exam and she's like, okay, you're still only four centimeters. And I'm like, okay, but I'm having contractions every four minutes. So like, aren't I in labor? Like I, I, I never thought there was a world where they were going to be like, so go home. And so I look at her and I was like, all right, well then let's just go into L and D and start the induction. And she, again, this isn't this woman's fault. She's like, well, I don't think, I don't think we have a bed. And I was like, what, what, what do you mean? And they were like, we just had an influx of patients and I don't think there's room. And I'm just like, what the, what are you talking about? Like, I'm so frustrated at this point. And I want to say all of this, like, I realize I, I can be still very grateful and blessed to have in my belly at this point, I still haven't given birth a healthy baby and be incredibly frustrated by the situation. So I'm like, well, can you go talk to the doctor? Because I called, like, that was the whole point of me calling and I'm in labor. I'm in so much pain. I have not slept in 10 days. 
I'm in so much pain. I'm contracting. Like, do you not believe me that I'm contracting? Like, this machine shows the fucking contractions. What is going on here? And I obviously said all that nicely, nicer. So she leaves and she comes back and she basically says the doctor agreed that there's like no space for me. And I don't think I realized how emotional this entire experience has been for me until this moment and how just tired and exhausted and confused and emotional and isolated and simultaneously not heard or not believed I felt until this moment. And I just fucking break down. And the doctor kind of looks at me because I feel badly for this woman. She's probably like a little, like my age. And I just start hysterically crying. And she's like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's not you. I, it's this experience. And like, eventually she leaves and Joe like sits on the bed and holds me. And I honestly can't remember the last time I cried that hard in a long time. I am just like doubled over in my fucking Taylor Swift crew neck, which I'm not wearing to the hospital again because it has not brought me good luck. And I am just fucking bawling and I just let it all out. And I'm like still figuring out all the emotions I feel, but A, I'm just tired. I'm fucking tired. At this point, I have not slept for a very long time pregnant wise, but for the past week and a half, especially I have contractions every single goddamn night overnight. I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much discomfort. I also just feel so confused by my brain. It is the ultimate mind fuck to be like, you're in labor, but you're not in labor enough. So come back when you're in labor, but you know, make sure you know the difference. And I'm like, well, what is the fucking difference? What is the difference? When am I ever supposed to come back here? And they're telling me like, you know, come back if you're having contractions. I'm like, I've fucking been having contractions. So when do I come back? And again, it's when you can't walk or talk through them. And I'm like, that sounds horrific. And also with the timing of everything that's happened over this experience, I don't believe that I will get into a room with an epidural until the baby's out of my vagina. And I also, again, I just feel like I've, it's been a burden on so many people. I feel so many people have now been involved. I feel weak or just maybe not heard or like I'm lying almost where I'm not, but I'm like, do you think I'm crazy? Because that's kind of how I feel. If that makes sense, it has just been so goddamn confusing. So we leave the hospital. I'm hysterical, not well. I basically text my friends being like, this is what happened. I don't want to talk about it. I love you. I'm I'm putting my phone away for the day. We get back to the house at like six. We get in bed. My mom, thankfully, is there to take care of squash. We sleep until like 11. And then I spent the entire day basically on the couch watching TV and reading and just crying and frustrated. And again, so frustrated by the experience, I will say, of like the care I feel I've received where I had such an incredible OB in the city and I had made the decision to switch more locally, which I don't. I don't know if I will say anymore that I don't regret. I always said I don't regret it because it's been so convenient to go to the doctor right here. And like, I can't imagine going into the city for my weekly checkups, especially with all of this. But at this point, I feel very frustrated by the care I've received. And even just yesterday, when I get home from the hospital, trying to reach a doctor in my group to just discuss what's happened and what the next steps are and to see if I can get induced that night versus the next night 
Or if I can do it the next morning, why are we doing a night induction? If I'm, if I'm already four centimeters dilated, isn't the induction going to go fast? What's the point of doing it overnight then? And just like not being able to reach anyone. That feels so frustrating to me because I get, and Joe keeps trying to remind me, like these people in the hospital, the doctors, the nurses, the staff, they deal with this 15, 20, whatever times a day. Like this is their every day. And I'm like, you know, this is the biggest moment in the patient's life or one of, but it's just kind of every day for them. And I can respect that and also be like, but you can still, you should still be able to be reachable if that is what you're doing. And I just have felt very like pushed aside and not heard or it's not even prioritized. It's just like, how is no one calling me back? to discuss this. Like, why can't I reach someone? And I think that's what frustrates me so much by the medical system, but also specifically the treatment of pregnant people. It's just, oh, okay, well, just, you know, keep laboring at home. Come in when you feel like you're dying. In what world is that the answer we're giving people? So I was incredibly frustrated. Finally, I heard back from someone and they basically said, no, you can't come in and get induced tonight because there's no fucking room at the end. Don't have an October baby is what I'm learning. Everyone seems to be giving birth in October. Don't do it. And then they won't do it in the morning. So here I am. It's Thursday. I've had the day to, I guess, I just keep getting extra days before the maternity leave, which has, quite honestly, I will say, been kind of helpful. I've never tackled more house projects in my fucking life in a week and a half. Like, the amount of packages that have come, the amount of things I have scheduled, the amount of things I have done is absurd. And that's been nice. However, I want this baby in my arms and I'm very much fucking over this prodromal whatever labor experience. It has been a shit show that I do not wish on anyone. I cannot wait to be on the other side of it and be like, you fucking did it. I just am ready to have the baby in my arms. This has been a very different experience than my first. I'm terrified that this means the child is also going to be a very different experience than my first, but I'm trying to stay optimistic. And I really just cannot wait because as I'm recording this right now, under 24 hours, so help me God, if everything goes planned, I will have a baby in my arms. And I cannot wait for that moment. I truly cannot wait. I cannot wait to have a healthy baby. I cannot wait to be squishy again. I, I like the feeling of being able to push in my stomach and be squishy is something I'm so excited for and to not be in constant pain. And I know it's like, well, you're not going to sleep with a newborn. Newborn sleep is better than pregnancy sleep. In my opinion, I will die on that fucking hill. And here we are. So I guess you guys will probably know more. I mean, listening to this, you know more than I do at this moment in time. But back to maternity leave, I go. I just clearly had a lot to say. I was like, you know what? This will probably just be the beginning of my labor and delivery episode. I've recorded for 40 fucking minutes. I can't shut up. So I love you all. Thank you for the support. Also, I just want to say thank you. Like as I've continued to share bits of this on social media because I have turned off my story replies, I've kind of been a little bit more MIA. I so appreciate the support. It does not go unnoticed. And I feel so loved by this community. And you all are the greatest. And I will see you on the other side. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. 
Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.